My name is Jane Watson, and I'm a covenant partner here. As Jesus continued his ministry, people came to him with greater and greater needs. In story after story, we read how Jesus demonstrated the power and authority of God through his healing ministry. Today, in Luke chapter 5, we will also see how the Son of God demonstrated the compassion of God by making himself vulnerable for the sake of love. Hear now the word of God from Luke 5, 12 through 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. All flesh is grass and its beauty like the flower of the field. Well, good morning. It's great to see everyone this morning. Let's take a moment just to pray. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us together into your house today, and especially as we are gathered to hear these words about Jesus and his love for your people and his lessons for us. And now, Lord, speak to us, for your servants are listening. We know that this is your word. We know that it is true and that it is given in love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you went back and you would briefly scan the passages leading up to the passage that Jane just read for us, you'll see that after Jesus was rejected from his home synagogue of Nazareth, that he went all over the country preaching the kingdom of God. He went all over the country casting out demons, and he went out all over the country healing people. And during that time, he demonstrated his extraordinary power by healing. He, he demonstrated his extraordinary authority by casting out and commanding demons, as well as by calling and empowering disciples to serve and to minister. And he showed his extraordinary capacity for compassion, reaching out to people who were broken, who were lonely, who were outcast, who were hungry, who were lost and scared and confused. He described them as sheep without a shepherd. And he was going out to give the love of God and the truth of God to all of these people. But in the, at the meantime, or in the meantime, he was also developing a whole new leadership team, his disciples. And he was walking all over the country with them. I want you to think about Galilee. It's about the size of Bear County, very mountainous. And imagine just crisscrossing this particular county all the time, back and forth, healing, casting out demons, calling disciples, doing all this. I mean, you would be pretty exhausted after a while. But Jesus was really on the move. And when he got to one of the cities in Galilee, Luke doesn't specify which, there was a man who, as the Bible says, was full of leprosy. Now, we are so blessed that leprosy is not a widespread problem in our time and in our country. 
And, and we should say that because that's not true all over the world. It is a problem in the developing world. It is a problem in places where we have brothers and sisters in Christ. There are still places where this terrible, a terrible disease called leprosy still ravages people's lives. But leprosy, if you don't know what it is, is a dreadful, rotting condition of the skin. There are several skin diseases in the leprosy family, but in Jesus' time, it was characterized by boils and white, ashen flesh. Although, the, although the, the disease is painful in its advanced stages, one of the first symptoms is the loss of sensation. In other words, you can put your hand on the eye of a stove and not feel your own hand being burned. It's one of the first symptoms of leprosy. But most of all, what you have to understand about leprosy, about the disease that this man was full of, according to the scripture, is that it was highly contagious. And for that reason, there's a whole section about leprosy in chapters 13 and 14 of Leviticus. And because it was so contagious, anyone who caught leprosy became an outcast. They were run out of town. They had to keep their distance from their friends and their family. They had to quit their jobs and they were ostracized. They had to live in poverty, and they had to live on the fringes and just outside of regular society. They were beaten if they got too close to healthy people, and their isolation would often cause all kinds of depression. And wherever lepers walked, they had to announce themselves. They had to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that people would know to scatter and give them a broad path. So leprosy was not just a disease, it was also a stigma. In the superstition of the age, people always connected suffering and disease to some sinful act or God's displeasure and punishment. And in the ancient world, disease was never just a medical condition. Again, unclean, unclean. It was a spiritual condition as far as most people were concerned. Now, we don't think about that these days, but it's still a pretty scary disease. I just want you to know, this past week, I had my annual dermatological appointment. I went to see my dermatologist. And what was going on? The doctor's giving me the, the full body scan and comes to my face and circles a little something on my cheek. And because I had this passage on mine, I'm thinking, oh gosh, it's leprosy. <laughs> Here I am preaching about a skin disease. I'm at a skin doctor. It's coming home. I asked her, I said, have you ever had to treat leprosy? She looked at me and says, she said, I've been in this country my whole life. No, I've never had to treat <laughs> leprosy. But that doesn't change the fact that it's still a pretty scary disease. I mean, think about how cruel that juxtaposition of physical numbness of dead flesh and the searing pain of rejection can be. Rejection by everyone you know. And so when Jesus, excuse me, when this man yelled out to Jesus, when he yelled out to Jesus, I'm sure that there were people who were telling Jesus, oh, watch out, there's a leper over there. Don't get too close. And while at the same time, they were also yelling at the leper to stay away. They were pelting him with rocks, telling him, get away, go away from here. Get out of here, keep your distance. But we read, in fact, that Jesus didn't keep his distance. Instead, Jesus healed him. And he changed this man's life 
And he changed this man, the life of this man's family forever. It's unbelievable, and it's awesome. Now, that's the story, and I want us to ponder a question as we're thinking about that story. And it may seem like a strange question to ask, and that's this. Why did Luke include this particular healing miracle in detail in his story of Jesus? I mean, of course, it's a miracle story. It gives specific evidence of Jesus' power to heal disease. And for a doctor, for a physician like Luke, Jesus' power to heal disease was pretty important. That was a wonder that needed to be told. But Jesus had been healing people all over the country. He'd made the lame walk. He'd made the blind see. He'd relieved scores of other issues. But Luke doesn't tell us all the details of those stories. He doesn't tell us about the every time a lame person is healed or a blind man can see. He does occasionally. But why would he include this story? What makes this miracle different? Why did Luke think it was so special? I think that Luke decided to flesh out this story, pardon the pun, because in addition to telling us something about Jesus' power, it shows us something about his heart. Let's look again. I think that Jesus was, or I should say, I think that Luke was impressed by this miracle because Jesus not only healed this man, he did something extraordinary and honestly shocking. He closed the distance and he touched him. As a physician, Luke knew that you don't touch a leper. That's the first thing they teach you in ancient medical school. <laughs> you do not touch a leper. Because again, it's extremely contagious. And if you get it, it's horrible. So consider this. What Jesus did was not just unexpected. It was dangerous. It was extremely risky. It was almost suicidal. I mean, last week and the week before, we talked about Jesus Christ as Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate. What does that all mean? It means that God became flesh and dwelt among us, that Jesus Christ is fully human, fully God, that he was a real human being. And as an authentic human being, even Jesus was vulnerable to sickness. Even Jesus was vulnerable to leprosy. He could catch leprosy from touching a leper. If we believe in his authentic humanity, then we have to believe that. Jesus could have spoken the words and just healed this leper. I mean, he could have healed him from a distance. We see that in other stories in the New Testament. But he didn't do it that way this time. What did he do? This time... He touched a leper. There are other times when he, touches, when he heals blind people, he doesn't have to touch them necessarily. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But there's nothing really risky about touching a, a blind person or a, a person who's been paralyzed. But again, you don't touch a leper. But what did Jesus do? He touched him. And I think it's because Luke sees that this story is really about vulnerability. Vulnerability is the willingness to put oneself at risk. In this case, for the sake of another. It's a decision to set aside strength and power 
and safety and security for the sake of love. That's what vulnerability is. Now, please understand me. Vulnerability is not defeat. It's not just accepting abuse or something like that. Vulnerability is a choice. Look at the story again. The leper says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And then Jesus said, or then Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, I will. I will. That's verbal confirmation. Did anybody hear flown recently? Yeah. What happens if you sit in an exit row? They didn't used to do this. Nowadays, if you sit in an exit row over the wing, the flight attendant comes up and they give you this whole little speech. They say, because you're seated in an exit wing, if there is a problem, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, are you willing to, are you willing to open this door and help people get off the plane? I'm sort of paraphrasing. And, and you can nod and, and, and they always say, no, I need verbal confirmation. And so what, is, what does he or she do? Goes down the road. You comply. Do you comply? Do you convert? Is that okay? Yeah. And you all say, yes, yes, yes. He has to have verbal confirmation of that. What Jesus is giving to this leper is not just a, okay, whatever. It's verbal confirmation that I will help. It's a decision. It's a choice. And Jesus touched him. Now, the leper and everyone else had heard about Jesus' power and they'd heard about his authority. It's all over verses, chapters 4 and 5. But in this moment, even though he had heard about Jesus' power and authority, right now he's appealing to Jesus' compassion. Lord, I know you can help. I've heard it. The question is, will you help me? Will you make me clean? And what he discovered in the process... It was not just Jesus' power and his authority, but he discovered Jesus' vulnerability. Now, vulnerability can take a variety of forms. In Jesus' case, he is demonstrating physical vulnerability. But vulnerability can also be emotional. It can be financial. It can be social. Whatever form it takes, it is a person, one person saying to another, I will for your sake. I will for your sake. And in this, in this story, Jesus shows us both the virtue of vulnerability and the value of vulnerability. There's a really important leadership story in this uh, lesson in this story. There's a really important leadership lesson in this story. And, and I just want to put it out there because if you are a leader, you need to pay attention to this. This is a leadership lesson that it took me years and the hard way to learn. But the leader who wishes to be known for strength will ultimately end up leading either by fear or control. But the leader who wishes to be known for vulnerability will ultimately lead by love. You know, the need to control or be strong is often based on a fear of insecurity. And the paradox here is that there is actually more courage, more real character strength in vulnerability than there is in control or bravado or anything like that. That's the virtue of vulnerability. But what is the value of vulnerability? Well, look at this. In verse 15, 
Even more, the report about Jesus went abroad, and, the, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. As Jesus made himself vulnerable, what happened? His platform grew, even his preaching platform. You see, Jesus didn't advance the kingdom by guarding it, by holding it. Jesus advanced the kingdom by giving it away. That's vulnerability. It's the old axiom. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So what did Jesus prove to this leper? Not just by healing him, but by touching him. He proved, I'm willing to take a risk for your sake. I care. You want to know how much I care? You want to know if I really care? I'm touching you. I'm not going to do this from a distance. I'm not going to do this from a long way away. I'm not going to send in a stuntman or a body double or anything like that. I care about you. So much so that I'm willing to put myself at risk. And what happened? Well, the report went abroad and it brought more and more attention to the kingdom. Now, I want you to understand, there's no vanity involved here. Jesus even tells the leper not to tell anyone, but to go himself and get checked out. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for proof to them. He didn't want to be known for this yet. His time had not yet come. He says, go tell no one. You know, that's the only, people, that's the only consistent thing that Christians obey nowadays. Go tell no one about Jesus, what he did for you. That's something we need to learn to do better. You know, at the end of the story, he, tells, he says, go tell everybody. Go make disciples. Unfortunately, we hold on to this. Nope, Jesus told me not to go tell anybody. But Jesus did it because he didn't want to draw attention to himself yet. There's no vanity involved here. This isn't celebrity, charity, or legacy building that uses benevolence to gain recognition or applause for oneself. This is real compassion. And real compassion is more courageous and it's more contagious even than leprosy. And you can tell the difference between real vulnerability and publicity when it's just oriented around manipulation. Because real vulnerability costs something. Real vulnerability puts something at risk. It's authentic exposure. It's not manipulative hypocrisy. It's not faking it to get the feels from people. It's authentically putting yourself out there, putting yourself on the line and saying, I am putting something in your hand. My security, my financial success, my social standing, whatever it is. I'm going to lay it out there and I'm going to prove that I trust you with it. You know, it's something that costs us something. As Paul wrote of Jesus, he, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. How did Jesus prove his love for us? He became vulnerable. It started with these lepers, it included the temptations in the wilderness, 
And he did it all the way to the cross. Jesus made himself vulnerable to show us the virtue of vulnerability. It's really about trust. Jesus was vulnerable with people so that they would trust him. And why should anybody believe us if we're not willing to put ourselves at risk? You know, you've got the, old, the great old toothpaste commercial. It says you've got to put your money where your mouth is. If you're not willing to use that toothpaste, why should I? If you're not willing to tell me about your issues, why should I tell you about mine? It's about trust. And Jesus was vulnerable. He took a risk with people so that they would trust him. And what does that mean for us? It means that we have to be vulnerable with people if we want them to bet their lives on him as well. If we want other people to trust us and to open up to us, we have to be open and vulnerable to them. In other words, here's what I believe, and here's why I believe it, and here's how I prove it. Vulnerability is testimony, and real testimony requires vulnerability. This is who I am. This is where I came from, and these are the challenges I'm facing. So much Christianity gets a criticism or gets dropped off or left behind by people because it always feels like, let me tell you about what's wrong with you. Let me tell you about your problem. Let me tell you how you're messed up. But what we see here with Jesus is, is him saying, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to put myself in danger because I need you to trust me. When we are vulnerable, when we're willing to say, this is my problem. These are the things I'm struggling with. This is why I believe. This is why I need Jesus. You know, it's not because I've got everything right. It's not because I'm more pious than anybody else. It's because I'm pretty messed up. That's when people start to trust us because we have given them something that is risky for us. And that's a hard thing to comprehend because in a very self-centered, image-curated, and image-conscious world, vulnerability feels like a sin. But you know what? Vulnerability gets people's attention. That's the power of testimony. You know, people would much rather hear from a satisfied customer than they would from a salesman. And when we are vulnerable with people, we're telling them, I really believe this stuff. But not only that, not only in gaining trust, it also makes a difference in people's lives. I want you to look at this again. Jesus did more than heal this man's savage skin condition. Consider this. This man had probably not been touched or he had probably not touched anyone for years. He had not felt the warmth of another human being for years. No hugs, no high fives, no handshakes, no consoling hand on the shoulder, just revulsion. And Jesus was willing to touch this person. He was willing to not only restore this man's skin, but to restore his heart. And that is of greater benefit than we can even begin to calculate. But you know what? There is even more to learn about humility and discipleship through this lesson of vulnerability. And that's why I want to skip over to, to verse 16 for a minute. Look at verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, I want you to look at the, the syntax of that sentence. Notice that this verse doesn't say that Jesus did this just that one time. That one time he went off to a desolate place to pray. It says, no, he would withdraw to desolate places 
and pray. Why? Let me ask you this. Have you ever had one of those weeks when, you know, when it just seemed like everything that you usually do in a month is concentrated in just a few days? You know, it's been like that the last couple of weeks. It seems like everyone wanted to put a whole year's worth of stuff in the month of January. Am I the only one feeling this? I didn't think so. I mean, all of it was awesome. But have you ever felt like you're being overwhelmed even by too many good things? It's just overwhelming. Guess what? Jesus was being overwhelmed by good things. Healing people is a good thing. Casting out demons is a good thing. Training disciples is a good thing. The problem is there were just too many good things. And then what happens? And then somebody comes along and says, I've got one more thing, just one more little thing, just one more miracle. And what do we do? We get sucked in because you're only as good as your last miracle, right? In this verse, and the one before it in Luke, and uh, one of the verses before it, Luke 4:42, Dr. Luke shows us that Jesus' vulnerability cost him something. Not just the risk, not just the risk of leprosy, but it, it took a toll on him physically and emotionally. I want you to look at the other ways that Jesus is vulnerable in this passage. He's vulnerable to the leper, the person who needs him, giving himself away, even at the risk and even to the point of death. But look at this also. He's also vulnerable to God. He goes to him in prayer, and because he knows he needs his heavenly father, he takes some time to be with him. But he's also vulnerable to himself. Before you can get to any of that, he has to confess to himself that he can't do it alone. Jesus wasn't just vulnerable to people. He was vulnerable to God and he was vulnerable to himself. Let's look at vulnerability to God for a second. Jesus went to the Lord for his strength. As Isaiah says, we have to take root downward so that we can bear fruit upward. We have to get into God's word, into the depths of his truth, if we want to bear fruit upward and outward. The only way we can have strength enough to be vulnerable for others, to serve others, is by learning to be vulnerable to God and by leaning on him completely in Christ. Now, when we talk about a personal relationship with God, that's really about being personally vulnerable to God. What does that mean? It means asking yourself, do I really trust God? Do I really lean on him? Do I really trust other people? Or are there still things, even with God, that I'm kind of keeping in some secret closet in the back of my heart? Being vulnerable to God means being willing to confess that stuff to him. To be able to come clean with it about it to him. But it also means this. It means taking time for rest. It means pouring yourself out deeply. It means If you're pouring yourself out deeply, it means you have to drink deeply from the word of God. And Jesus realized that even as a human, he could not just cannibalize his own body and strip mine his own soul for the resources he needed. He needed the Lord. He needed God to pour into him. Because vulnerability puts you at risk. It puts you at risk of exhaustion. And if we don't go to God, if we don't trust in him for our security, for our approval, for our needs, for our identity, then we're not going to have the strength to be vulnerable for others. But here's the critical piece. Before you can really be vulnerable to God 
And before you can really be vulnerable to others, you have to be vulnerable to yourself. Jesus was vulnerable to himself. I think this is the hardest part. Because you can't be vulnerable to God and you can't be vulnerable to others until you drop your shields to yourself. Confessing your own sin and brokenness. Your own limitations and liabilities. Here's the truth, beloved. Yes, serving gives us energy, but even Jesus needed breaks. Jesus needed a break. It says so right there in verse 16. Even from serving and doing the most good and miraculously wonderful things in the history of the world, Jesus took breaks. Now here's a question for you. Are we less vulnerable than Jesus? Are we less vulnerable to sickness, to temptation, to exhaustion? I want you to notice something in this power in this story. The leper asked for help, and apparently so did Jesus. And that makes me wonder. Did Jesus pray prayers of confession? I don't know. Scripture says that he was without sin, but that doesn't mean that he was without exhaustion. Did he ever confess to God, I am tired. I'm wiped, I'm wiped out. Did he, ever, did he ever confess to God, I'm scared? You better believe he did. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified. It's a great line in J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings where one of the characters says, I feel like, like butter spread over too much toast. You ever feel like that? This is where we see the need for our vulnerability, not only to people, but in the confession of our own need. Here's the thing. I have to confess that I don't have more energy than Jesus. I don't have more power than Jesus. I don't have more love than Jesus. But in verse 516, the Lord Jesus Christ is giving you and he's giving me the permission not only to take a break, but to ask for help. To recharge and replenish. Because here's the thing. God is actually glorified in our weakness. Because in our weakness, that's when God shows his strength. If I am going to follow him, I want you to listen because I know this is going to be disobeyed today. If I'm going to follow Jesus, that means that I have to follow him even into Sabbath rest. I have to follow him even into those desolate places so that I can, when we say, he's not just talking about, he's not talking about going out to like Bandera or someplace like that. I mean, that's, sorry. Um, (laughs) He's not talking about going out to the desert or Odessa or someplace like that. Sorry, again, my wife's here. Um, He's talking about going to a lonely place, a place where he can find some quiet where you can be with just God. You know, we want it to be all about the last miracle that people saw us do, the last project we were involved with, the last thing that gets attention. But even Jesus is saying, no, we always have to return to our source. We have to return to God and get our power there because if we don't go to him, we'll start drawing on our own stuff until eventually we're done. Here's another thing that, that, that this issue brings up. If I never take a break, if I never am vulnerable to God, does that mean on some level that I really believe that Jesus can't handle it without me? 
You know, do I trust Jesus to carry out his mission even without me? I mean, thank goodness I came along when I did because it had only been going for 2,000 years before I was born. <laughs> you know, I don't know your capacity. I don't know your pace. I just know that at 54, I can't do it on my own. And here's something I know about every single one of you in here. I know you can't do it on your own. The mission that Jesus Christ has set before you is too big for you to do on your own. And so if you're not plugged into him, and if you don't have the guts to admit that you need to be plugged into him, then you will burn out. So be vulnerable. Be vulnerable to others. Be vulnerable to yourself, but most of all, be vulnerable to God. I know I can't do it without the Lord's help. And I hope you'll find that out sooner than later as well. And I hope that your prayer, even when you're feeling strong, is to pray, Lord, I can't do it without you. I need you. If you are willing, you'll give me everything you'll need. I need. And I think you'll find that the Lord will say, I will. Would you pray with me? Father, it is so easy to think that everything depends on us. It is so easy to think that you cannot do it without us. It is so tempting to think that that there is weakness in vulnerability rather than strength. But Lord, we, those are the things that the world tells us. In this image-managed world, Lord, we don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't want to risk repentance. We don't want to risk confession, but we need to. We need to risk our own safety, our own security, even our own, even our own stuff so that people will know that we're not better than them. We're just beloved by our Father, just as they are. Lord, help us truly to trust in you, even to cry out, Lord, help me. Amen.